0: Welcome to the Finding Fertile Ground podcast, where I discover stories of grit, resilience, and connection. I'm your host, Marie Gigi, and this podcast is brought to you by Fertile Ground Communications. We help organizations and people discover what makes them special and help them share that with the world. Look us up on FertileGroundCommunications.com. My guest today is Danette Edwards. I met Danette on LinkedIn when she invited me to join her new online network, Corona Days Professional Development, which helps people from marginalized communities get back to work or find better work. Even though Danette did not graduate from high school, she went on to earn nearly three graduate degrees and build an impressive career. Now she's using her extensive business skills to give back to others in the same way people helped her along when she was younger. Hi, Jeanette. So great to have you on the Finding Fertile Ground podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me, Marie. Wonderful. It's been so great getting to know you on Facebook and LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, same here.
0: So can you tell me about how you are quarantining? How has COVID-19 affected you?
1: Um, I mean, pretty much. I'm home, of course. I'm in Washington, D.C., so we're quarantined and we've been this way since. Late March. We are just now opening up here in D.C. Looking forward to getting back to life of our new normal.
0: Uh, Yeah, exactly. Who knows what that will look like. And are are you do you live alone or do you have other people with you or? I live
1: in a four family home with my family. Ah. So I have family members that live here and I have a puppy, Stormy who's upstairs. So she's here. She's six months old. I've
0: seen some pictures and some stories.
1: <laughs> <laughs> kind yeah, Stormy of- is a handful. Yeah, she's a handful, isn't so she? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just moving back to the country from Kenya.
0: Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue into uh, my next question. Can you share with our listeners just a little bit about your life? Where did you Where did you grow up, and how did you get to this place where you are in your life right now? I am a New
1: York City girl, so I grew up in New York City, Queens, New York. I studied originally history and then urban policy, and then I got an MBA. I've worked in admin, administrative operations for charter schools and nonprofits. So CEO, chief operating officer, director of operations, that kind of thing. And around four actually four years ago, I went to work in Nairobi, Kenya, still operations and admin uh, as a regional deputy director for operations for a refugee resettlement center. We settle refugees here what we've processed, we process to be resettled back to the US. I was there for four years and did a lot of traveling through Africa, came home because my mom was um, suffering from cancer, but she's fine now. So I came back to help her with her care, and now I'm back. She's fine. She's finished with her treatment, and we are quarantining, so. I'm trying to get back to real life. Yeah, trying to get back to real life. And then COVID hit and a number of people started to ask me for help with resumes and writing resumes and cover letters and how to prepare for an interview and what do I send if they want a writing sample and all kinds of stuff. I mean, like 50 people. So I decided to start this group.
0: And tell tell listeners the name of the group and how they can find out more about it.
1: Sure. We are Corona Days, D-A-Z-E professional development group. And of course, days because, you know, the whole world is in a daze behind Corona and COVID-19. And like I said, so many people started to contact me from my life all over the world. You know, when you work internationally, you know, people all over the world. And we all had one thing in common, COVID. You know, COVID was affecting us. And we were all quarantining. And people were afraid. Uh, Either they were being laid off, or unemployed, underemployed, and they needed some help. So I started the group on Facebook, so you can find us on Facebook, Corona Days Professional Development Group, or you can find us on LinkedIn under the same name.
0: It's a great service that you're offering to people. I'd love to hear Thank more you. about your time in Kenya. How did mm-hmm. you end up getting that job? Right now, are you still the executive director at that nonprofit?
1: Oh, that no, 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 I'm, I'm not there. So when I was in Kenya, I was the regional deputy director for administration for an organization called Church World Service which is an international organization. So I was responsible for admin, IT, finance, procurement, logistics, everything but programmatic stuff. And how did I get there? <laughs> I met my husband, and now ex-husband, mm-hmm. <laughs> and had this long-distance relationship, and it was really hard. I met him on when I went on safari and then just decided that, I wanted to move to Kenya, be closer to him, apply for the job and got it. I I applied right online and was meant to be like, I just wanted it to be. And let me see. So I applied on maybe like June 8th. And by August, 24th I was in Kenya. Wow. <laughs> it's
0: very similar to how I ended up in Japan. I did the same thing. I applied after yeah. after graduating from college and I thought if I get it, I'm meant to go. <laughs> and yeah, then I exactly. got it. It was a very similar turnaround time and I not I knew no Japanese. It was like oh. I'm just I'm meant to be there. So Wow! But yeah. so my sister did a. She's a physician, and she did a one month rotation in Nairobi back in the nineties. Oh, wow! Okay. Yeah, but she had. Oh really, wow,
1: that must have been interesting.
0: Yeah, she had a really great experience there. Mm. What was the
1: one thing that
0: surprised you about living in Kenya, and one thing that that was difficult about living there?
1: One thing that surprised me is the amount of poverty. We, we don't know poverty in the U.S. compared to the poverty in a developing nation. And then the fact that education really isn't free. Parents pay for books and parents pay for every single thing in elementary school. So that a lot of times makes the difference between a child being able like a child in the slums, if their parents can afford for them to go to school or not those things were surprising but kenyans are beautiful people it's my second home i had some interesting experiences but kenyan people are very loving and and they accepted me sounds like it was a great
0: experience for you living there and I think I remember reading that you have three master's degrees.
1: Is that right? <laughs> I have two master's degrees. and two masters. one I Only need two. Need to, yeah. <laughs> uh, almost three. One, I need to complete my final thesis and I'll have it. But right now it doesn't make sense to get it. So it's an MBA and two MS's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> are, you try- are you still trying to figure out what you want to do with your, your last career or
1: your next career? The school is interesting, like I wanted to develop housing. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to develop affordable housing. And I had this romantic idea that I was just going to put every homeless person into mm-hmm. a, an affordable home in New York. And so that's what I went to school for. And while I was in school, my father took ill and I had to leave. Mm-hmm. And so I left New York. This is in 2002. And I never went back. To finish that last class. But I went and got an MBA in between that. So I went to Georgia, I got an MBA, and then I kind of always had an eye for organizational development without having the training. I just always put in a situation within nonprofits and schools where I was the person who had to be champion for change and had to come in and fix an organizational challenge or mess. So I said, let me go back to school and went for organizational development. So that was the third one or the the real second one, but the third one.
0: So were you a natural leader from your childhood? Were you always drawn into
1: these leadership roles? I'm an oldest child. Yeah, so by so So yeah and I and I took care of my baby brother. He was four years younger than me. So I always took care of him. And then when I was sixteen my mom had my sister. So that was a very you know, big space. And I helped with her. So I think I was always someone who had to take charge and was, you know, placed in these roles where I needed to be a leader. And it was just a natural progression into my professional life.
0: Excellent. How are you feeling about what's happening in our world recently, specifically Black Lives Matter and the highly public deaths at the hands of police?
1: I mean, I have a lot of feelings about it. There's anger, there's sadness. I'm tired. I'm just really, really tired of just hearing about this that people we're still dealing with I think we're always going to deal with racism. It's the violence associated with it. I just it just does not sit well with me at all. The the deaths I mean, we've had three deaths highlighted, you know, recently that we knew about, you know, that but then there's so many more that we didn't know about that keep coming out of the woodwork and so that kind of thing, it is very um, demoralizing as a black woman, you know, as a sister, you know, I was married to a black man, you know, I have a father, I have a stepfather, I have, you know, so that's scary. And then you see black women are being murdered. So that, that's one piece of it. There's the fear and the anxiety and the anger, but then there's hope, you know, I have a lot of hope. I'm in D.C. and we had a lot of protests. You know, we had that really nasty situation with our president and the peaceful protesters. But the protesters being here in D.C., it was just really hopeful to see so many people come together and to continue to protest and to continue to protest peacefully. That gives me a lot of hope. It also gives me a lot of hope that many of my white friends have come forward and that they want to be better allies. Not just my personal white friends, people on social media, I see it on LinkedIn. People are admitting that we have a problem and that is the first step to fixing it. And so that all of that leads me to a hopeful place, but I am tired, mm-hmm. Marie. Mm-hmm. Am I'm really sure tired, you, are. you know.
0: Yeah, and it must be so strange to be living in Washington, D.C. right now. It must be so yeah. weird, especially with the Lafayette Square and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. oh my gosh do you have hope that dc will be able to get statehood
1: i do and i don't so i'm not a washingtonian i'm a new york you know i'm a yes. new york girl but i've been right. in the dc D M V area forever of course you're hoping for that because i want every single vote that i cast to make a real difference right to really mean something i want my representation yeah but i don't know where it's gonna go I'm keeping my fingers crossed but I'm not sure where that's gonna go well
0: I hope that if if we are able to have a blue wave in November that we could I mean the time is right for us to finally do something about that right it's so unfair that depending on whether you consider yourself to be Washingtonian or not the people who live there have no (laughs) representation it's horrible no representation no I mean I have none
1: either I mean I'm just not a native Washington so, right, Washington. Uh-huh. But I am here. I am now a registered yeah. voter again here in Washington, so you know, you D.C. Yeah. And yeah. I. So I don't have that representation. I know. You know. It's
0: just and that's mm-hmm. just so unfair. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah. So what what would you say are the major obstacles that you've overcome in your life?
1: My parents divorced when I was young, so that's always a challenge. And of course my mom and neither nor my dad didn't have a whole lot of money. So not, you know, not abject poverty, not severe poverty, they were working poor, you know. And not having access to the best education you know, not having access to the best opportunities, but I made those opportunities for myself. I was fortunate enough to always catch the eye of people who were willing to point me in a different direction. Now, I may have taken like four left turns before I found that person, but I was fortunate enough to always have people in my life, maybe people that you wouldn't think would, would be kind of these destiny helpers or, you know, point me in a right direction or a different direction. But I was and a lot of people just don't have that. Well,
0: and I think that obviously people really recognize your potential. Mm-hmm. I would yes. guess. I mean, just mm-hmm. given your just given your background and that you seem like you're a real go getter, you decide what you're going to go <laughs> after. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> what mistakes have you made in your life? And what have you learned from them?
1: Gosh, I made mean, so many mistakes in my life. I used to, I still talk a lot, but I used to listen less than I do now. So I listen a whole lot more to everyone, right? That that's why we have Corona days because I listened. So I listen a lot, and I let that kind of not dictate my step, but I'm really cognizant of others now more so than I. Maybe that came with age. I'm. I'm 46, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not a baby, but that is like I didn't consider people as much as I do now. And professionally, well, I didn't finish I never became a housing developer and that sits with me all the time that I, you know, I paid a lot for that degree and I didn't get. <laughs> You're almost <laughs> there, right? Housing, yeah. <laughs> I didn't become a housing developer. That's a failure. I went to the new school in New York and it was mm-hmm. very expensive and didn't finish. So that is a failure. And another failure, oh, which actually turned out well is I never finished high school. Wow. So I don't have a high school diploma. I have a GED. Talk about obstacles that and, you overcame Then you went on to yeah. get master's degrees. Mm-hmm. So I guess those are the three good ones in terms of like professional, educational. I have a bunch of personal ones, but we will (laughs) not go
0: there. So, and that actually (laughs) segues into my next question, which is what are you most proud of? I think that that's a Mm. huge thing to be proud of that you went on to get two master's degrees, two and a half master's degrees after getting a GED. That's huge. But what else can you think of that you're proud of in your life, especially with um, Uh, obstacles?
1: uh, I think I'm most proud of, the effect that I've had on people like I have like former staff and former colleagues who like tell me that I have actually helped them and maybe I didn't I didn't know I was helping them at the time or I didn't set out to help them. And I think that is, I'm most proud of that, that I've, I've been a person who's been able to affect change in other people's lives for the better. I
0: love that. Now, that's partly why you started Corona Days. How many people are on Corona Days
1: now? This morning, we had about 630.
0: That's amazing. And that's like, you've, mm-hmm. you started it like two months ago?
1: Wow. It started on April 28th. And we started with about 50, 52 members, something like that, who are people I know. Most of them were my former colleagues and staff, and they were either unemployed, underemployed, or afraid, or a combination of all of that when they reached out to me. And I just said, hey, started the group. They came over, and then it just began to balloon. You know, someone invites someone else and invites someone else. And One of the things I say, I keep saying now repeatedly is, We want the group to grow, but we don't want the numbers. We want quality, right? And so we want people, we want people in the group who I believe anyone can add value and everyone can add value to our group, but they have to believe that themselves. Mm -hmm or they have to believe that we can add value to them. You know, and so that's the only requirement I believe we we need to have for the group. So we don't have rules when you join. We don't have any of that. So I just say don't invite everyone to the group. You know, we don't need a 10,000 member group of people who don't want to be here. So yeah. okay.
0: So about how many what percentage of the people in the group are job seekers and how what percentage are mm. people there like me who are just kind of there to offer advice and consulting.
1: I think it's pretty much about 80-20, 80% job seekers or if not seeking immediately, then, e- yeah, looking for a transition, writing on the wall, not happy, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But I think about 80% of the people are are, jo- are um, job seekers and about 20% helpers. And then we have the, about 20% are from, maybe about 24%, I believe, last week, we had about 24% from Africa. We're global, you yeah, yeah. worldwide. Yeah. We had about 64%, I think, US, 63, 64. And then the rest was like Two percent UK, two percent Australia, Thailand, Singapore, like everywhere. We have South at South America, Trinidad, Canada. We're everywhere and all over the U.S. We have India, Nepal. We have ev- we have a little of everything, uh, and I'm very excited about that. We even have someone from Ireland in the group, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and this is like a free service that you're offering the people. I mean, are you? What are
1: you getting out of it? Uh-huh. Oh, I get so much out of it. Uh, I'm not getting money out of it, but I mean, I am excited. I'm happy. Like, I feel so good that I'm helping other people. Mm -hmm. Um, I get joy, you know, a lot of satisfaction. I want to be part of the solution. And we've seen, I don't want to get political, but just over the past six months with COVID, we've seen some of the worst of the world and we've seen some of the best of the world, right? And I just want to be part of that best. And so I just also want everyone to have an opportunity to like realize their own greatness. I want people to eat. You know, being in a place like Kenya, I I've seen that people go to bed hungry. The children go to bed hungry. I want people to have an opportunity, and if that means that just having the group, because all I do is have the space. I don't do much of anything. I just have the space, and I'm a cheerleader. Right, that's it. I don't do the training. You know, people like you, Marie, you do the training. So I just bring the people together and I want to continue to keep bringing people together.
0: Um, yeah. Well, I'm in the middle of writing an article right now about eight signs of whether you're working in a toxic workplace. Mm-hmm. So some of your people may say, oh, maybe I need to find a way to get out of this work's work environment because it's toxic. So mm-hmm. there's there's that, although it's a hard time to look for a job right now, too. So Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think most of the people in our group are at a point where they have to do something different, right? We do have quite a few people who are furloughed and laid off, but I don't have the metrics on that, right? Mm-hmm. Because I can't pay for the surveys that I need to pay for to get that good information. Right. But I do know that we have a number of people laid off. We have a number of people who are in, in industries like retail and restaurants, and they know that this is not going to work food service anymore, even some uh, lower level um, health care. You know, professionals are in the group who said, I don't want to be, I don't want to do this anymore. So what I love is that we are giving people an opportunity, a space and a place where even if you are 40 and you want to do something different, that we are saying to you, there's a possibility that you can. It's possible. And even if I don't give you the tool or the training, but just letting you know that it's possible can have you pick up the phone or, or do a Google search or call that somebody that, you know, or do something. And that's what we're, we're here for.
0: Well, you have such a rich and varied career of, of working in all mm-hmm. these different organizations that you're a perfect person to start this organization. And I can tell you're a real <laughs> cheerleader. <laughs> so, so totally, So moving on to some lighter questions. How do you like to spend your spare time?
1: Okay, when I have spare time and the world is open and everything is good. And I do like Bikram yoga. So I enjoy Bikram yoga. I haven't been in a long time because in addition to my mom being sick, I had a car accident and I was injured. So I would love to Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm, I'm much better now. I'm fine. Actually, physically, I was in PT for almost a full year, but I love Bikram yoga. It, it, it actually saved my life and helps me to reset. I love spending time with my family. I'm a reader. A guilty pleasure of mine is real true life crime stories. Oh, really? But yeah. (laughs) But, you know, now that we have COVID and so much crazy going on in the world, like I was telling my therapist, like I don't, watch that stuff anymore She's like, I'm so happy (laughs) like (laughs) you don't because it's like too much real world Uh, crazy going on right right yeah but um I know my family and I used to love to travel so it was my love for travel that took me to Kenya on safari I travel a lot I used to travel a whole lot and that's what got me to move to Kenya because I just traveled and met my husband, my ex husband and ended up moving. There.
0: So. I know. I'm just really worried about when we're gonna be able to travel again. Yeah. Because nobody's yeah. gonna nobody wants us. Nobody, yeah, the EU said we can't come. I know. So how <laughs> are your us. how are your friends in Kenya dealing with the coronavirus pandemic? Is it are things okay in Kenya or
1: I think it, it just depends on who they are. So I have two. I have a school in Kenya and an orphanage in Kenya that I support both of them um, when I can. The orphanage takes all street children in the slums. They're both located in the Kibera Slum, which is the largest slum. I think they say in, in Africa is the largest slum. They don't know how many people are there, so there are over like millions of people in this slum. So they're not doing very well because if they're not working, then they're not making money. You know, then when you're living in close quarters, there's very, there's the possibility that you could transmit COVID. But then I have friends who are like us, they're just working from home or they're sheltering in place and they're fine. So it, it just depends on who they are in Kenya. and But the most vulnerable people on a regular day are much, much more vulnerable now.
0: Yeah. So COVID is not actually in Kibera right now? Is it in the slums or is it just that they don't have um, their jobs? Or?
1: I can't tell you if there is actually COVID in, in Kibera. Mm-hmm. I do know that they're wearing masks. I do know that our orphanage, there's not. I do know that our that our school is not. But there's closed. The school is closed. Mm-hmm. And so what then happens is many of our students, many students, they get their only meals of the day at school, just like here in the U.S., right? Yeah, now, right.
0: Isn't that Unfortunately. Crazy, right?
1: No, it's horrible. Yes. Right? Yeah. So with the schools being closed, there's no one – well, there are people that do it, but not – not as large scale as you need to, who are saying, well, let's feed the kids, you know, now that they're not in school. So this, those are just basic human needs, like the lowest, you know, what is it? Maslow's? you know, this is your lowest basic need. And if yeah. you don't have that met, forget COVID, I need to eat. Yeah. They're just basic needs. So that's a, that's a huge difference wow. between here and in, in, being in a developing nation like
0: yeah. Kenya. That must really cause you a lot of worry because you were close it to does. These people. Well, and I, mm-hmm. I think that we're going to see news. Eventually, we'll see news about what COVID is, you know, the ravages of COVID around the mm-hmm. world. Because I don't feel like we speak yeah. a lot about that, really. Our news cycle is preoccupied right now. Mm-hmm. We have so. so
1: much going on here. Yeah,
0: exactly. That's very worrying. I, I share your worries. So mm-hmm. what, you talked about your reading and you're watching what what have you read or watched recently that has inspired you?
1: Oh, wow. So I am currently reading tools for career success the 101 uh-huh. tools. Uh-huh. And it, it says uh, 101 uh, answers. So to frequently ask questions about public health and a young lady who I met on LinkedIn wrote it. And the interesting thing is it's so practical. Like it speaks to all of us, even though she's a public health professional, Mm -hmm. it speaks to anyone in these things like. Goes over analysis paralysis. You know the reasons why we never move forward. Oh, I want to be a I want to be self employed, but I need ten thousand dollars in the bank, and I need another ten thousand in case something happens, and I need this, and I. So she goes over these very, very very practical things that can get you moving, and I love it. So this is inspiring because I think what she's saying can resonate with any worker who's ever thought maybe I could be self-employed so I love that I've been watching anything actually since I started corona days I live corona days I'm hustling every day for this group because the group motivates. People are in my box every day and I love it. Mm. You know, they, they give me suggestions. They say, thank you. They tell me what they need more of. I want more of them to actually talk about it in the group, but there's a there's a level of vulnerability and shame associated with being underemployed or unemployed mm. or even looking for work, right? Mm. Even if you have a job, I don't mind. My box is open, but I, I can't wait until our space is where people feel safe enough to express all of the things that they say to me in my box on our page. So I'm always on Corona days or LinkedIn looking for people. And the way our model is, I should tell you a little about our model is since everything is free and I don't know everything we have, I polled the group and they gave me a list of training topics. Then we have the top 20 training topics that the group members want and they're all over the place. They're like leadership, resume writing, salary negotiation, power dynamics of race and gender in the workplace. I can't train on all that, right? <laughs> uh, media training. Yeah. Mental health, crisis management, motivating teams, organizational conflict resolution, coaching and mentoring staff. So there's so much. Balancing careers, family and self. So it's a bunch. And those are just some of them. So what I do is I go on to LinkedIn and I look for professionals. And I just pitch the pitch for CDPD. And I say, hey, I have this group of people and they've been affected by COVID-19. You know, would you like to come and teach us about a thing that you know? And it's not a webinar. It's not four days, it's not four hours. It could be 20 minutes of your time. We have a, a career coach who came into the group every Tuesday in the month of May. And all she did was turn on her computer. She showed her LinkedIn page. And she went over prof- she went over things you can do with your profile to enhance your LinkedIn profile. That was all of eight to twelve minutes every Tuesday at twelve noon Eastern time in May, and it went over amazing. Yeah, you know, and I don't want anyone, I don't want a professional compromising too much of themselves, especially during this time, right? So we accept anything someone is able to give us as long as it is real, it's tangible and we and, and we can put action behind it. So I love the power of intention, right? I love the law of attraction, but no say these five things and you'll be a millionaire. None of that. Right. Like real right. stuff. Okay? Right. <laughs> that, yeah, that our members can actually use actionable items. And so we have that piece of it. Then the other piece of uh, Corona Days is, People coming into the group and telling us their story. I think one of the greatest things, as I said earlier, when you asked me what I learned, is that I didn't listen to people enough. And I think one of the greatest things we can do is listen to people's stories. Like, that's why I'm so happy that you have this, this podcast. She started this podcast, Marie. Uh, we need to hear stories. There's something that you have inside of you that you need to get out. And I need to listen. And so the other piece of CDPD is that we have people come into the group and tell us their story. You know, not your how you met your husband's story, but, you know, your story. Like, how'd you learn, you know, your greatest life lesson? You know, what would you say to the Marie? who started 20 years ago or 30 years ago, what would you want that person to know? Well, come talk to us about that. Or there's the other piece of the, it's similar to an informational interview, but I'm not interviewing you. You come in and you say, hey, I'm a rocket scientist. I knew I was going to be a rocket scientist because I love the math and I was great at science. And you tell us how you got there. Or I'm a mechanic. And, you know, I invent things. And I know I was going to be great because I took apart everything my parents had in the house, whatever it is. How'd you get there? How'd you know it was for you? And it might be you took this crazy path to get there. But we, we in the group might be on that crazy path. And So we want to hear those stories. Um, and then the third piece that I have not figured out how to do yet is that I'd like to have a virtual mentoring program. Where we would pair people up with virtual mentors, but that requires a lot of um, commitment from the mentor and and the mentee, right? And a lot of trust. And I think right now, our country, our world, we're just not ready to make that long term commitment until we get a lot more settled, you know, with mm-hmm. COVID and mm-hmm. just the political climate and racism and so. That gives me time to figure out how to work that.
0: <laughs> that, you know, obviously we think a lot alike to that. <laughs> really? Yeah, because, um, the, you know, the whole idea of how what inspired you to do, mm-hmm. pursue a particular path. That is always my favorite question to ask people because I do a lot of like website content development and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I write people's resumes and things, you know, and I often have been asking them for website bios, how did you get to where you are now? You know, what happened in yeah. your childhood or, you know, what what inspired you to pursue uh, this particular career that you pursued? Because I find that it mm-hmm. says so much about who the person is and who inspired them. And I love that story. And then the second thing is you mentioned a a point that is one of my next questions, (laughs) which is, is, if you think back to yourself at age 21, what would you say to Mm -hmm. her
1: now? Which is exactly what you said. Three minutes ago. Uh, I would say to her that you can live many lives. Right? So if if this life is not working for you, it's okay. You can create another one. You know, like we I think we're so hard on ourselves when something doesn't work, especially when it's something professionally. I remember plenty of times where I just was like, "Oh gosh, this is the end of the world." You know, like I'm never going to get a better job than this I'm never going to live in a better place than this but you can create another life for yourself not just by imagining it imagining it and visualizing it right I think those are pieces of it but that really putting the effort behind it but first you have to believe it so you have to see it right you have to believe it and you can start another life so i would I would say that I would say listen more because I didn't listen you know I'm pro- I was almost 40 when I started to really listen or maybe even 40 when I started to listen to others around me, listen with the goal of understanding the active listening. Like I want to understand more where you are coming from and see what resonates in my life. So um, these are things that I'm learning and I'm learning more every day. Those are great. Thank you.
0: Um, if you could be paid to do anything as a job, what would you do?
1: <laughs> develop affordable housing. I would do CDPD. Develop... Well, uh, affordable, affordable housing, housing. yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, in a perfect world, yes. But I would do CDPD. Like this is now, I self-fund this. So I pay for our Zoom webinar. I pay, you know, I pay for the Zoom so that I can stream it into all the social media and we're building a website. In a perfect world, you wouldn't need CDPD, okay? We support marginalized groups all over the world. People who don't have the connection, people who don't know what to do. I was fortunate enough, like, I can step backwards into my life and point to people who helped me. And they were nine times out of ten always a white person who saw something in me, and I don't care why they saw it. I don't even care if they were surprised that I was as smart as I was and said, let me just help her because I'm surprised a black girl is smart. Right. But everyone doesn't have that. And so at CDPD, we are creating a place where marginalized groups can network. They can learn how to network. Right. Hopefully within our group, someone who needs legal advice. Basic legal advice, just a basic consultation. will will have to pay $500 for one. Maybe they'll be an attorney in the group, or I know an attorney and I can point that to somebody there. I'll tell you a story really quickly. We are going to have a young lady come into the group uh, next week after next. She is an award-winning engineer. She is a first-generation college graduate, and her parents are Mexican. So she's, I think, they both were born in Mexico, I believe. Her parents dealt cards in a casino in reno nevada that's what they did most of the people she knew were like her parents she was very smart her mom always knew that you have to apply yourself in school so that you can have a better life but didn't know what to do when it's time for her to decide what she's going to do for college her, her mother speaks to a man who comes to gamble at her blackjack table and says what do you do for a living and he says i'm an engineer And she asked, well, what do you need to do to be an engineer? And she says, you need to be good at math, you need to be good at science. She says, okay, my daughter's that. So she goes home and tells her, look up being an engineer. So she does that. And she says, I didn't know anything about, robotics didn't turn me on. But then as she's looking about engineering, she sees civil engineers and she sees that civil engineers do roads and bridges and water. And she said, I could under, I could that resonated with me. Everyone needs that. I understand that. Today, she's, I think she's 29. She's an award-winning civil engineer. And she's also in a group that of Latin Latinx uh, women who speak, right? And um, as a first-generation college student. And I love her story. Her name is Monica Morales. But Marie, what would have happened to her if her mother did not ask that civil... And I get so emotional yeah. about that, right? Because, yeah, that's why CDPD is here. For the people who their mom or their dad or someone is not connected to an engineer and can ask. You know, she might be a bank teller today, right? Or she may be in retail today. Who knows where she would be if her mom didn't connect or if that uh, engineer went to her dad's blackjack table and her dad didn't ask that question. So, that's why CDPD is here, mm-hmm. so that we can begin to make connections with people. We can expose people to all kinds of careers and opportunities, and that's that. That
0: just gives me chills. Seriously. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so inspiring. I just love what you're doing. It's, and I think it's, so, it's, it's got to be so powerful for a person of color to be mentored by another person of color, especially. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful mm-hmm. what you're doing. And I'm really excited to help you amplify your message through the podcast. And Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Thank it's you. really I keep thinking about all the people I need to invite. I know I've, I've invited a couple of job seekers to the group, but I haven't. Oh, yeah, we need them.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: but I haven't. I think I can think of some some professional uh, folks as well okay. like I you know I come from the, the engineering background I mean I'm not an engineer but I uh-huh. I worked mm-hmm. with engineers for 29 years
1: oh so wow. I know
0: a lot of people who could be really great mentors so
1: okay yeah so I'm thinking about who
0: can I invite so what is something that you wish people understood about you
1: I am direct but I'm not mean you know I'm I am direct I'm like I said, I'm an older, I'm the oldest child. I'm a New Yorker. I'm straight to the point. This is how it goes. But I'm not mean. I'm kind of warm and fuzzy, even though I'd like to say I'm not warm and fuzzy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm direct though.
0: Right. So sometimes people mm-hmm. miss, they sometimes people can misunderstand you if you're direct you think.
1: Oh yeah. Yes, yes. 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 Uh, I think yeah.
0: that I mean I think that I'm an oldest child as well and I tend to be very decisive. I'm a quick thinker mm. and I'm decisive? I am too. Yeah. So sometimes that can intimidate people I think. What kind
1: of music do you like? Oh, I like a little of everything. I like Afrobeats, reggae, hip hop. If I'm really, really going through something, I listen to a lot of Sade. So I like a little of everything. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, where can listeners connect with you online?
1: Uh, so of course, at Corona Days PD. So Corona Days Professional Development Group on Facebook. On LinkedIn, I am Danette Edwards. And our email is coronadayspd at gmail.com. And by next week, our website will be coronadayspd.com. So C-O-R-O-N-A-D-A-Z-E-P-D.com. Oh, it's coming along nice. I have to show you. I'll
0: send you some pics. Yeah, you're taking off. Mm-hmm. You know, I I am feeling uh, the same way about the podcast as you're feeling about Corona Days. It's like, I would do this all the time ah. if I could. So yeah. it's it's really fun. I am so inspired by meeting these incredible people. So um, let's talk about grit, resilience, and connection. What do those words mm-hmm. mean to you? And what can parents or mentors, especially mentors, do to instill mm-hmm. grit or resilience in other people? And how can people increase their resilience? How parents and
1: mentors can help to instill grit, resilience, connection. I think allowing the space for, for your child or mentee to fail, right? There's always the, um, and I do it with my puppy, you know, <laughs> This, yeah, I do. You know, I mean, you, you, you see, I'm faced my puppy is running my world right now, I know. but you know, <laughs> I, yeah, she's running my world, but you know, allow them the space to try it and fail on their own. Like you can advise, but allow them the space to, to try and fail. I think modeling, right. And demonstrating what we would like to see. So if I, if I want to see resilience, And grit from my mentees. I can model it or I can actually talk to them about the challenges. Like for a very long time, I never told anyone that I never graduated from high school. You know, I was, it was very shameful that I never finished high school. But now I say it and I say it proudly so that you know, someone who might be in grad school thinking they can't complete it. Hey, I never even got a real high school diploma and look at me, you know? So I think they can demonstrate it and actually tell their own stories. If they, if you, if they can't see it, relive those stories for your mentees and your, your children. And then connection. I think connection comes with authenticity, transparency, and integrity, Like if we are true to ourselves and we live our truth and we demonstrate our truth, then people who are supposed to be connected to us will be connected to us and they will remain connected to us. Right? Yeah. Like just one of the things I always like to tell my teams is we say what we do and we do what we say. And it doesn't mean that we can't go back on our word. But when we do, we actually say, I know I said we were going to do this. However now we don't just go on and do something different right like we hold ourselves accountable and i think all of these things help us to build real connections with people who really want to be connected to us because they they believe that we walk in integrity they believe that we believe in them because we believe in them and respect them enough to say when I made a mistake and we're going to do it this way or I was wrong. Right. So yeah, just being real.
0: I love it. Thank you so much. Is there a story of grit, resilience and connection that has been an
1: inspiration to you? There's so many. I just think the stories of my family members, you know, my, my mom didn't have it easy. I remember going to school with my mom, you know, I went to college with my mom all the time when I was a kid and my mother seemed to be in school my entire life. And she got her first degree. When I was living in my second apartment and I was 22, she got her first degree. Okay. She has multiple degrees now. Uh, My mom was a reservist. Like she did everything she needed to do. She's a nurse, you know. Uh, So my mother, my grandmother, you know, who came over here from the Virgin Islands, U.S. Virgin Islands with two small children. Two of them born here, one small child and had two more. My grandfather. So it's just like Everyone, like I have immigrant grandparents, you know, my my parents are then first generation here. Both of my parents, I remember both my parents were in community college together. So we'd go up to the campus, they were separated, married and separated, but maybe I'd sit in class with mom today. And then the next day I sit in class with my dad.
0: You were immersed in education, weren't you?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny that I didn't finish high school, but that's a whole nother podcast, (laughs) a couple of podcasts. But I did get my GED at 16. So it was high school. Oh, it wasn't yeah. for me for a number of reasons. Yeah. And I got my TV at 16 uh-huh. and started community college at 16 as well. So uh-huh. I like my parents, lifelong learner here.
0: High school is not, <laughs> you know, is not meant for a lot of people. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of young people who have taken different pathways and have been very, very successful doing different things. So you're another example yeah. of that. And so my last question is just for fun, because I love to travel too. So when the world opens up again and we're allowed to travel again, where will you go?
1: Oh, this is easy. I want to go to Lisbon. I want to go back to Lisbon. Mm-hmm. I loved Lisbon. And I just met someone on LinkedIn a day or two ago. And he happens to be a travel person in Lisbon. And he's been telling me all these tales. And I said, oh, my goodness, I have to get back. Mm-hmm. Yes, I need to learn how to, how to speak Portuguese. So that I can move to Portugal. Right? Oh, oh, really? Is that your long-term goal? <laughs> it, it is one of these like pie in the sky, yeah, but it, it is, you have yeah, travels. it's a pie in the sky. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you've, and you, have, I, yeah.
0: Do you have traveled to Lisbon before then?
1: Oh yeah, I've been to Lisbon before alone <sighs> and uh, yeah, I've traveled extensively and I've traveled a lot alone. And I went to Lisbon as I was doing like Italy. I think I did Italy, Lisbon, Portugal and then Spain. Yeah, I think Spain was the last leg. And the most memorable was Portugal. The people just loved me. They they welcomed me with open arms. I didn't feel any racism. Like, it was just beautiful. That is wonderful. Oh, my goodness. The food, the people, everything. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, now you're making me want to go. I have some uh, close friends who were there uh, last year, and they had an amazing time. And my husband and I, my husband's from England. And when we first got married, Uh our plan was to go to Spain and Portugal for our honeymoon. But we bought our oh. tickets before we realized that he mm-hmm. couldn't go to the country because he had to apply oh. for a green card. So green we, card, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. we forfeited our tickets, and we have never gone. Gotten- oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, oh. it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. So someday, and you're reminding me, I, I need to try again
1: one of these days. Yeah. Yes, you so. do. Yes. And you just had a wedding anniversary. Congratulations! Thank you. How many you. years was that? Thirty. Wow. I know. Congratulations.
0: So it, was, so it was thirty years ago we were supposed to be in, in Portugal. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's meant to be that we need to go there at some point.
1: Yeah, when yeah. the world opens up. I know. Mm-hmm. Who knows when that will be?
0: But it's been wonderful to right. get to know you a little bit better and thank you I, for having me. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Thank you, Marie. Have a good evening. All right. I hope you enjoyed Jeanette's story. I hope she's able to return to Lisbon one of these days, and also that my husband and I finally get there. Next week, we'll meet Dr. Devati Bharadvaj, a naturopath and a first-generation immigrant from India. Devati shares about her experience growing up brown in New Jersey, her work as a naturopath, and her experience of being pregnant with her first child during COVID-19. Thanks for listening to the Finding Fertile Ground podcast. Our music is by jazz pianist Jonathan Swanson. This podcast is brought to you by Fertile Ground Communications. We help organizations and people discover what makes them special and help them share that with the world. Look us up on fertilegroundcommunications.com. I look forward to our conversation next week.